Building a medtech ecosystem here in Rhode Island is just like building anything else. One stick, one brick, one piece at a time. And most recently, an ex-Johnson & Johnson employee, Brian Morley, decided that, well, it was his mission to become a part of this. Good things are happening. Welcome to MedTech Monday on The Road Pod. Welcome to MedTech Monday. I'm your host, Danielle Sturm, and I'm here as always with my co-host, Tom Chiginski. Good afternoon. So I'm very excited to announce, as you might know, over this past month, we've grown our subject matter advisory resource team, otherwise known as our smart team, by a few new members. And a few episodes ago, you met one of our newest members who focuses on pricing strategy, David Mock. Today, we have another guest who also just joined our smart team and also works in marketing, Brian Morley. Brian has a background in working in marketing for companies like Johnson & Johnson and on Spinal Technologies. And he recently joined the Rhode Island startup ecosystem by starting his own marketing consultancy, Emerge Health Rhode Island. So I'm very excited to introduce you to Brian Morley. Hi, Brian. Hey, Danielle. Hey, Tom. Thanks Hello. for having me. Thanks for joining us. So we met a uh, right before the quarantine started about three months ago. And um, I met you through Dom Messerly, uh, who has been on this podcast before. And you just had a great story. And I, I was very excited to be a part of that story of how you really came out of J&J, um, started working in this ecosystem and seeing that there was a need for someone like you in starting a company or consultancy in Rhode Island. So I'd love to just ask you to tell us a little bit about your background um, and what you've done, how you've worked at J&J, and then how you've really joined this ecosystem and what you're looking forward to within it. Um, and I think it'd be a great story to tell today. Uh, yeah, sure. Thank you again for, for having me. Um, and yeah, excited to share my story and uh, excited to be uh a part of this ecosystem. Um, so I parted ways with Jane J, uh, technically March 6th, uh, of this year. And, uh, you know, so prior to March 6th, I'll kind of take, I'll tell you the story up to March 6th, and then we can talk about the story after that. Um, so I've spent, I'd say the last decade, uh, in med device, uh, product marketing, uh, most recently in the, in the spine business. Um, so, about 10 years ago, uh, I jumped into the marketing realm. And uh, eight years ago, Johnson Johnson acquired the company that I was working for, uh, which was Synthes. And uh, it was the largest acquisition in the history of orthopedics. And interestingly, when I uh, joined the kind of product marketer spine team, I was working in, in, in a niche segment um, called the fractured tumor segment. And um, when J&J acquired Synthes, I think it was $24 billion with a B. Um, uh, when they acquired Synthes, they both had portfolios across orthopedics. And when you looked on paper, there was really great um, complementary portfolios. So Synthes had a cranial maxillofacial group, a trauma group, a power tools group, biologics group, and a spine group. And then J&J, very strong in joints, sports med, um, they also had a spine group as well. Um, so the only group that actually overlapped was the spine group. So uh, about eight years ago, uh, we merged the spine organizations and I moved from the Philadelphia area up to Rhode Island to help transform the J&J spine organization and the Synthy spine organization, integrate the two and transform those two into Depew Synthy spine. Um, so I was part of that team 
to kind of lead through the integration and lead through the transformation, which was an amazing experience for me um, as an individual, as a professional to kind of go into this massive acquisition into J&J and get the feel of what this is like. Um, and I said, you know, I didn't know if I was going to like it. I didn't know if I could contribute. Um, I didn't know if I was going to get chewed up and spit out, but I said, I'm going to go for it. And, um, you know, with, with, uh, support and direction from my wife, <laughs> number one. So she, she gave me the support and, and said, let's, let's give it a go. And I gave it a go. And, and I was extremely happy that I did that because from a professional perspective, it made me grow so much to really understand how to integrate a large company into another extremely large company, um, all the challenges that go with that. And it was a really, really hard thing to do. Um, and we came out of it the other end and, and kind of launched the Depuce Synthes spine organization. Um, and then, you know, as... I kind of evolved my career within that organization. I started in kind of upstream marketing. As we integrated, we developed um, five-year marketing strategies for where we want to take this organization, how we want to get there, what do we need to do, what are the competencies that we need to succeed, um, and then kind of roll that into the market. And then I would kind of increase my roles and responsibilities over the last six or seven years to the last uh, part. Uh, I was responsible for a segment of the of the business that had roughly 40 individual brands, um, you know, upwards of about $50 million a year, which is not a ton in, in the spine world, right? But 40 individual brands. Um, and uh, we acquired some technologies. So it was the integration lead for some new technologies to build into our portfolio. Um, so really built a strong muscle in understanding marketing strategy, commercial execution, integration, things like that, right? So really build out that muscle. Now, at that time, you know, it took all of me to be successful because J&J is, is one of the hardest places to be successful at. Um, so I, it, I gave it my all, right? My vision was 100% on the task at hand to try to achieve those goals within that organization. Um, prior to that, I was working as a product development engineer for the first decade of my career. So I actually kind of brought my engineering background as well um, within Synthes and, and some other organizations, had my kind of marketing muscle, had a decade of, of product development engineering muscle, and bring that kind of 20 years of experience and thinking about as I transition to the next phase of my, my career, what, what do I think, what, what should that look like? So um, that kind of brought me up into March 6th, right? So I parted ways with Johnson & Johnson. And, and one thing I can say about what, the, what Johnson & Johnson does, they train the heck out of you. Um, so they really helped hone my marketing muscles um, and build that competency. And if you kind of know the, the 10,000 hour rule that Malcolm Gladwell you know, refers to in the outliers, you know, I probably hit... <laughs> 20,000, 30,000 hours within that experience of, of, uh, of a decade building that muscle. And I thought about what, what do I need to do when I part ways um, as I supported this business and supported 600 sales reps and supported probably two to 3000 surgeons. Um, I thought it was very it fulfilled the health part of me. I really wanted to change healthcare, have a meaningful impact on human healthcare. It fulfilled that core value. But what was missing is when you're doing something like that and you give it your all and you give everything you got because it needs that because that's that's what changing requires. 
I, there was a part of me that was missing, that was unfulfilled. And that part of me uh, was really a connection to my local community. So I was driving this business, working on these integrations, right? But I didn't know what was happening right under my nose. And that's kind of what took me to, to March 6th. And, and when I parted ways with J&J, I actually, instead of just jumping back to another company or jumping to an, uh, the first opportunity I saw, I took a moment and really looked at my core values and I thought about what I loved about my job. And it's really changing the trajectory of human healthcare, right? That's what J&J is all about. I love that. I love being a part of that. Uh, but what was missing was that connection to the community. So I said, man, if I can somehow merge these two, um, I will be extremely fulfilled. I don't know if that exists, right? Because once again, my eyes was on 600 sales reps, growing my business as best I can, transforming this organization, supporting uh, the surgeons and the patients that they serve. So I called Dom <laughs> and I said, hey, I know you're doing something close by in the Providence area. I, you know, I, I'm rethinking kind of my mission. I want to find a way if, if there's something that more aligns to my core values, to my mission. Um, so can you kind of help open my eyes a little bit to what's going on right under my nose? And that's when Dom uh, invited me down to Nemec. Um, so that was, I think, March 6th, uh, Danielle's when, when I went down there and went down and I knew nothing about this ecosystem. And when I say nothing, I mean nothing, right? I was in my bubble, driving my, uh, giving my all, knew nothing about this. And so he just opened my eyes to what's going on within this ecosystem. And just finding out that there's this whole push of leaders and influencers and decision makers that want to create this ecosystem of Providence innovation, that there's this big push. I was like, wow, this is inspiring. And this is what I want I want in. Show me like what I want in. I don't know what my role is here, but I want in. And after talking with Dom and then talking to a couple um, of the other kind of people that are driving this initiative um, and pioneering this, such as Danielle, yourself, and Aiden, and the folks over at Rhode Island Bio, and folks at, at Rye Hub, and, and, and Tooney down at, at the Venture Cafe, starting to understand that there's this major initiative, and it's so meaningful. It's meaningful work. It's purposeful work. And all these people are driven by this kind of mission and, and having this purpose. I was like, this is exactly what I need to be doing. I just don't know <laughs> what I can do to help. Um, and then I spent the time doing the due diligence and really understanding, okay, here's what I can provide to the table. Here's my expertise. Here's my skill set. Is there a need? And after talking to these advisors, the influencers, um, the architects of this ecosystem, they all said, oh my gosh, we've been waiting for something like this for a long time. We've, we have marketing competencies. We have these different companies, but not someone that really understands how to lay out long-term strategy, marketing strategy, right? Lay out a commercial execution plan and put all that connective tissue in between and make it efficient and effective. I said, <laughs> that's what I do, right? So um, that's where the idea blossomed that maybe, and, I, and th my plan was not to, you know, do due diligence to find an opportunity to create a startup. My plan was to try to figure out where my role is to help, you know, find a mission that I'm aligned to and then find a way that I can contribute. 
Um, and after those conversations and, um, we figured out that, hey, the best way for me to contribute is to create an agency that does provide this market strategy and commercial execution to this Providence innovation ecosystem. And that was kind of the spur, you know, the spark of the idea. Um, so that's where we are today. Yeah, and that's great. I mean, when we met you, even before we, <laughs> I think the day we met you, Aiden said like the, the minutes after he met the minutes after he met you, he goes, you should start an LLC. You should start a consulting agency. Like we need someone like you to do this because I mean, as Nemec has been growing over the past two years and we've been working mostly obviously with startups, we did have connections to marketing consultancies and marketing agencies who had that knowledge in, in the med device space. But the problem was they were so overworked and they're working with the bigger companies and their prices were so high. They just weren't really focusing on working with startups. It was just too low, too low a budget, or they just didn't have the time to work with them. And then the uh, other side, we've met so many marketing agencies that want to work with startups, but they didn't have that knowledge in med device and regulated spaces. So it was just kind of us going back and forth, trying to find the right people. The people we were working with were just so busy working on their projects. They would spend time teaching classes with us and teaching our students about marketing strategy, but they didn't have time to like sit there and work on projects. So it was, it was a relief and it was great. especially after a few months when you said you were going to start your consultancy, um, which is Emerge Health Rhode Island, we're very excited. And I think already, if you want to talk a little bit about maybe some of the projects you're working on with us and some of the projects you're working on, not with us, that would be great just because (laughs) Under over like it's been three months and you're already you're already in it. Yeah, I think I think one thing you'll you'll uh, learn about me if uh, the more you work with me if, if we get to to partner together is I kind of, I'll lean in pretty heavy. <laughs> I'll go I'll go kind of fast and furious. I'll lean in heavy. Um, that's that's kind of my style. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so over the last three months, and maybe we take a pause because th- th- there's that story, right? Mm-hmm. But that. We didn't even talk about it. so March sixth. Okay, we met. There's this opportunity over the next you know week or so. I kind of craft this this business you know loosely craft and an idea of, and then just, um, let me start to vet this through the market uh, within this ecosystem, and then COVID happens, right? We didn't even mm-hmm. talk about that. So now I'm a uh, I go from you know working with one of the largest uh, orthopedic largest orthopedic company in the world in in kind of the marketing space to now I'm a startup and I'm an entrepreneur and I decided to start up a, uh, a business right before this COVID thing. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think that is, you know, is, is one of the kind of interesting parts of the the next stage of the story. Right. Because personally I have a family and when this happened and everything started to shut down, the schools shut down, the daycares shut down, all those things shut down. I had to kind of shut down too. Um, so that's been an interesting challenge, right? So uh, how do you, you decide to start up a company and then the world shuts down, right? And you know what? The world hasn't got any simpler since then. But I can tell you in, in the time between trying to teach kindergarten to my, my daughter and trying to change my son's diaper and trying to chase my dog who just ran into the neighbor's yard, you know, in between that time, I have been able to focus and create a strategy and start to execute on that strategy for my own agency. Um, so 
I've been actually invited, as you know, as you mentioned, right, that now I'm an advisor on that smart, the dynamic smart team, which I'm, I'm humbled to be a part of this team and excited to sink my teeth in um, to that role. Uh, I've also been invited to to be an advisor within um, the Rhode Island Bio Group. Once again, there's a gap from a market strategy perspective. Now, uh, you know, I'm invited to be part of that group. Um, and then also the Rye Hub uh, VMS team, so which is also an advisory team. So um, that's been in, in that short amount of time that I've, I've had maybe, you know, a couple hours here, a couple hours there. I have been able to make some pretty good progress and, and engage with, I'd say that the major say influencers and decision makers in this ecosystem to start contributing, which has been, that was, I think the, the, you know, number one for me, the other part is um, to, all right, well, how do I tell, how do, how do we, you know, start to help these startups? Right. Cause when I tell my story to the, the folks that are kind of behind the scenes running the show, they're all like, yes, yes, yes. I clearly see the value that, that you create, but this doesn't exist in this ecosystem. So how do you, you know, help people understand the value? How do you clearly articulate the value that you can bring to this community? And I said, you know, first thing I'm going to do, let me partner up with one and let me kind of go down a pathway and start to build some credibility myself. Um, and one of those, those people was Don Messerly and the Lenos team. And, and I offered just kind of pro bono to um, be that, sounding board for him to as he prepared to get ready for his pitch which happened on march 19th march 20th so three weeks before that we talked i said let me just contribute wherever i can to help you be prepared and get you honed for this pitch and that's what i did so i spent about probably eight hours on my own understanding kind of where his business is where there's potential gaps and opportunities within his strategy, um, help work with him to close those gaps and hone that story so that he set himself up, um, in the, the strongest way possible for his pitches. Um, and, you know, lucky, luckily enough. And once again, I don't, I don't want to take credit for, you know, Dom has been working on this for years and he's done a ton of work. He's actually brought in, he's brilliantly brought in, some extremely strong horses, some thoroughbreds to help him build out his business. But that market strategy component was missing. So that's where I kind of came in. And that's what I focused in on. He was extremely strong on the evidence and the regulatory and the program management and the sales uh, execution stage and the technology, right? It's all these different components that make up that team. But I really focused in on the, the, the messaging, uh, the strategy, what's missing, what do we need to do to close it so that he's prepared to deliver and answer any of the questions uh, that these uh, venture capitalists have. So luckily enough, um, we were accepted for, you went two for two <laughs> for his due diligence. And then, uh, you know, we did the, the curveball event last week and I'm sure Danielle, you can kind of speak to uh, your, your kind of thoughts on, on that and what you think maybe, uh, maybe I brought to that experience too. Yeah. And 
We, yeah, so Curveball went on last week and that was our inaugural Curveball event. We have we, we have two events that are similar. We call them Softball and Curveball. Softball is soft pitches. The companies aren't actively fundraising, but they're getting ready to. And last week we had our first Curveball where the companies, the three of them that pitch, were ready to raise funds and were actively raising funds. And Dom pitched during that. And we found out, I think, before it was around the same time that he was accepted into due diligence with two um, investment groups. But through that curveball event, three different investors, or at least some of the attendees connected Dom to three more investors that were interested in learning more about him and inviting him in to, to pitch again and see if he could go into diligence. So we're really excited to see that was way more than we thought that people were going to be interested. It was a very successful event. Um, the two other companies, SafeTap that we're working with and um, Mockingbird, both also had interest from investors as well. So we're just really excited to see where that goes and if um, any of those connections lead to maybe due diligence or inviting these companies into pitch. And I've seen Dom's pitch deck and pitch probably for since I started working at Nemec about two and a half years ago when I met him and um, just seeing how it transformed and how he could talk about not only like him having the only biological spinal healing solution, which is amazing to begin with, but seeing him be able to pitch the business side and talk about these consultants and team members that he brought in and also crafting a story. So even before Brian, you started working with him about a month ago, I saw his pitch. It was amazing. He pitched during one of our um, educational pitch classes and then seeing it on at Curveball last week, it like he had 15 minutes to do it. He did not seem rushed at all. The story that he told was flowed so well, you understood it. And surprisingly, after he finished, there was radio silence, there was no questions. <laughs> and if you're sitting in a room for a, a, a pitch event, you usually hands go up and people are asking questions. And these investors are like, what are you going to do about this? Who who is going to sell this? What's your marketing yeah. strategy? And no one had anything. And when the investor goes, take, take that as a compliment, because that <laughs> barely happens. <laughs> the silence was deafening. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, but you, you know, I, I, you got to give the credit to Dom, right? Because, mm -hmm. and, and I think, you know, one of my advice for a lot of these, these startups and, and just anyone in general, just, we all have blind spots and, and myself included. And, um, you know, when you put a, a strong team together of folks, like, like your smart team, if you pull advisors in and consultants, if you put the right kind of people together, they, and be willing to listen, um, they're going to help kind of see those blind spots and then close those things up. So I, I give all the credit to Dom for being open and, and being willing to listen. And if someone kind of, uh, you know, addressed a blind spot and, you know, like I said, the team has been working on this for a long time, give all the credit to him for listening. Um, so that, that would be my suggestion to uh, any of these startups is, you know, be willing to listen. Um, and then specifically for me, it's, you know, <laughs> I feel like my craft um, and my skill set, my value, it was it's been honed over the last decade, and, and you can even go say twenty years based off of uh, my experience in orthopedics. And it's a it's a language, and you know, just like any language, just like music is a language, you you don't really become an expert performer at that language until you really immerse yourself in it, right? So. Um, I have that immersion. I, I feel like I, I 
come become to the, I've come to the level of being that elite performer. Um, and you know, yes, can these startups go and type in Google marketing strategy and follow the, the, the 10 <laughs> steps to the template of a marketing strategy? Sure. Right. Can you can build a business plan? You can do a performer. You can do all that stuff. Right. But until you immerse yourself and get that 10,000 hours, right? You don't become that elite performer. And, and like what my wife Robin said, until you start dreaming in that language, you're not fluent in it. And I can tell you, I dream in that language. <laughs> I dream in the language of, of opportunity um, within the market strategy space and, and commercial execution space. I dream in that language. So um, that would be, you know, just if you are a startup, Think about that. Um, you can do it. You can you can do it on your own. You can Google it. You can figure it out. You can take a course. Um, but if you want fluency and if you really want to kind of um, solidify and, and legitimize your go-to-market strategy, commercial plan, uh, you know, bring in those, bring in the elite performers like Dom did, right? Um, and I... And I think one thing I want to add, and this is something I've seen over my my short <laughs> career in the industry, but I still every day I'm immersed, immersed with so many startups, which I'm very, very grateful for, um, is knowing as a, like a startup CEO or entrepreneur, when when to outsource that work and for how long. It's just like you you don't want to hire like I think about it, a marketing consultant way before you would need to save money, you need to conserve your resources, but knowing exactly when to pull in the right person has made a, like, has helped these startups and made them so successful into being able to then transform their business at the right time for whoever, either investment or commercial success. So that's one thing I've seen is just knowing when to bring people in and who to bring in to complete that work. Yeah. And, and if you don't know, um, then start talking to people. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and that was the one thing that really blew my mind. Of Once again, this was all happening under my nose. I knew nothing about it three months ago. Right. But the, the more I've been able to engage with startups, engage with uh, the advisors and the influencers, the architects, every, all these, I am so amazed how many people are aligned to this mission and, and, and are dedicated to making this happen. Um, and that's, that's what I never knew, right? They are dedicated to this cause and creating a healthcare ecosystem in Rhode Island. And I want to be part of that. Um, so we're, they're there. I'm there. We're all there and just come find us and let's start talking. If you don't know, uh, you might not know what you don't know, but that's when you talk to someone who can give you insight, can give you context, uh, can maybe give you a connection and then boom, that's how, that's how you kind of move to the next level. And that's what's so great about Rhode Island too. And it's before I even moved here, I didn't know like, what, what is it like the two, two degree rule? Like someone, you know, <laughs> like outside of Rhode Island, someone, you know, will know someone who knows someone you need to know in Rhode Island, someone, you know, will know the person you need to talk to and know. So it's super easy to get things done and meet it, the right people. And I tell you, I tell you what, I would have never done this in Boston or Philly or New York because no one would have given me the time of day, you know? Um, and I, when you think, if you rewind back, I said, I had this idea, but let me see if I can legitimize this thing. Um, I need to start to talk to all these people that are really driving this to really vet. Does anyone own this corner? Cause I don't want to, 
you know, I don't want to open up my donut shop right next to another person's donut shop, right? <laughs> so yeah. I'm, I'm trying to do that, the market analytics and understand, is there really truly a need for this? And I don't think in these other cities, these people would give me like, I, w- I wouldn't have been able to get time of day. So number one, I think it's the, it's the culture within Rhode Island that we're all trying to do this together. We're all trying to drive to this one mission. I think it's the timing with COVID actually played in my favor because it, be- it made people that maybe not have, would have been as accessible, accessible, right? Uh, because now everyone's sitting at home. So I, everyone that I reached out to, every single person that I reached out to got back to me. All these kind of really you know, drivers of this, this ecosystem, they all got back to me and they all took the time to just hear me out and help me understand where my place could be. You know, am I the, am I a missing puzzle piece and where can, where can that be? And they've all been, you know, welcoming me with open arms, which is incredible. So uh, that's another thing I think, you know, that was a blessing to me because having that timing created this opportunity for me to really start to scale up fairly quick, quickly and start to do meaningful work. Mm -hmm. Um, Even when I only maybe have at tops 10 hours a week to to work in between the diapers and the chasing and the, you know, uh, and the hopscotch. So, um, so yeah, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty happy with the, the progress so far. Um, but I owe it all to the people that, you know, welcomed me into this community, kind of got to my, got on my level, uh, listened to me and gave me the, the right advice, um, and gave me the right direction. So yeah, hopefully I, can do this. I also, sorry, I, I also think timing is everything, you know, here you are. And although Nemec started a couple years ago, you know, not until the CIC fully opened up uh, or the, the the Wexford building, did things really start to buzz? And mm. it's always easier to lay a foundation, be one of the bricks of the foundation, than it is to knock a brick out and try and fit one in. You know, try and wedge one in. So you are uh, agreed. T- timing, timing in life is everything, and I think the timing is right around here. There's there's been a longing for some element of. Um, cohesion in the startup space, you know, around here, you've got a bunch of smaller co-working spaces, which are all doing a good job in their own little worlds. But yeah. uh, now I think there's cohesion and I think that's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and I, you know, I've, when I, one of my ways of, of kind of getting up to speed in addition to speaking with everyone and networking is, is listening to your podcast. So I think I'm probably, <laughs> I'm probably like the number one listener of your podcast because you guys are giving me the pulse of what's going on um, so that I can understand where I can add value. Right. So um, that was the other component to me too, was that I would listen to your podcast and there was uh, you know, as a marketing guy, what do I look for? I look for overarching themes. I look for themes and that, address a a need that there's a need there there's a theme there's a need there's a problem to be solved right there's you know i've I've always done it for a clinical need but this was like a a need within the ecosystem and i saw that listening to your podcast and it came up over and over and over that there is a need for for this capability um so that was also another really helpful thing for me to kind of validate my assumptions um, that I think there's an opportunity here is just listening to your podcast, listening to the startups and going, Oh my gosh, I can help these guys so much. I, I hope I, I hope, uh, we have a conversation one day. So, um, that's the other thing that's really helped me kind of get excited and, and get confident uh, around the decision that I'm making. I have, I have I, one. Oh, go ahead, Daniel. 
I was just going to add to that too, because we've been talking so much There's that there's a need for people like you to come in and help startups. But also I want to talk to the other side that Rhode Island and what we're doing, it's so like through Nemec and through all the other organizations you met, it's so easy for startups to, who are not in the state, who are global. We work with so many global startups to be able to accelerate their businesses faster here in Rhode Island. So there's, there's a need and there's support on both ends to get the people to the startups to help them and get the startups to the right people and right organizations and right partners to be able to support their business. I have a, I have a question, uh, Brian, um, at the beginning of the beginning of the podcast, you said J and J is one of the hardest places to be successful. Can you, can you explain that? Sure. Um, it's, it's, uh, you know, that song, New York, New York, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's, uh, you know, I, I, if you talk to, you know, I, I have a lot of, uh, mentors that were within J and J and have left and some are still there. And we talk a lot and peers and mentors and just knowing the complexity of what you need to do to get, to drive your, uh, brand within that organization there's so many layers and you're actually competing against so many different organizations and the dynamics are all over the place and um to really understand the dynamics the politics the models it's so complicated and I, i'll never understand it right but uh because there's just so many parts of J and J. There's the consumer. There's the pharma. There's the med device. Within med device, there's seven organizations. Within those seven organizations, there's twelve or more organizations. Within them, there's forty brands. Within, and it just goes on and on and on. Um, so when you walk into a place like that, and it's also you know Fortune 50 company, you have to have the utmost training. Right, you have to be the highest trained. Um, individuals. You have to make sure that you're compliant. You have to have, be extremely ethical, right? All those things that, you know, they put, build in all these um, factors to help mitigate risk also makes it really challenging to like drive a business, right? A startup, there is not as much risk. You can kind of make decisions. You can be nimble. It's really difficult to do that at a large matrix organization mm-hmm. um, with chain. So, the regulatory challenges, the, the compliance challenges, the high ethical standard that the changing needs to withhold so will slow things down. And I guess the term they use is red tape, right? Uh, but it's there for a reason. I'm not judging it. I don't think I don't think it's wrong at all, right? But it makes it really challenging. So if you can find a way to navigate through this and be successful in, within an organization that has tons of moving pieces, uh, you know lots of changing kind of leadership strategies, things like that. If you can survive there um, and then also being part of the largest integration in, in the history of orthopedics and being the one division that did it, if, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. All right. So I have a follow on question from that, which ties back into um, the integration. Um, everyone has an ex- exit strategy in mind. Uh, mm-hmm. What are some of the scars that are available to be talked about from the integration uh, when you did that, because I think everyone thinks at some point, well, if I sell the company, uh, you know, we have, we have, we have a sale and I signed a deal where I'm working for two or three years and then it's great. I'm out. But that two or three years of that integration can be very, 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 um, I would say uh, it's not friction free. 
<laughs> to put it mildly oh yeah you know what i have the scars to prove it i've caused a lot of the friction and you could probably ask my colleagues and they would uh if they ever listen to this they'll be like yeah you did <laughs> um but you know and if i if i can think of like two two things that that i, I think about with regards to the the synthes integration um within jj but also when i was the the marketing lead on another integration of a technology that's actually really really exciting um that i, I got to be a part of um, which was a sentio nerve mapping technology um if i think about this and just and, and this is not me this is not my idea this is you know i formed this opinion by talking with my mentors, right? My advisors, the, the people that I trust and respect. Uh, and, you know, one of the, the, the gentlemen that, that I worked with, he's actually a director of marketing um, still. Um, and he mentioned that, you know, with the, the Synthes acquisition, it was the competing values framework. If you guys are familiar with that or any of the customers, there's competing values and there's different quadrants and, uh, within those four quadrants, you know, it's it's ideally if you acquire a company, the the core values of the company that did the acquisition and the company that acquired line up. Um, and when they line up, it usually becomes a pretty smooth acquisition. Um, and you'll notice some some larger companies will actually pass on really exciting technology if the value system does not line up, it's not the technology itself, right? It's not the people. It's usually the, those core values. So that's, that's what I think um, when I think about it, when, you know, some other folks have talked, you know, we had a couple of beers, we talked about what, what went right, what went wrong. And really within the synthes and the J and J there, there were some competing values is what, is what we've seen. Um, and that is what kind of causes the friction. Uh, are the competing values, not as much like the technology, right? Not as much the, here's how we engineer. Well, here's how we engineer. Here's how we market. Well, here's how we market, right? All that stuff comes from your core values. Um, so that, that's the, that's the one thing, um, that I, that I see that you have to be careful of. Um, and it's really tricky. And that's also what I found within startups. Like, do they really know their core values? Do they know their mission statement? My my firm can help that. There's also some other uh, also great firms within this ecosystem that can help you really identify your core values, so that if you do get to a point where you're going to exit, you can look at your core values and their core values, and if they line up, okay, that's a good sh- you're in, you're in a good spot. If they don't, you got to think long and hard. Do you want this to next to be the next two or three years of your life because you're most likely going to go with that company? Um, so that's something that you have to think about. Of what's going to cause friction is the core values. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, how companies do it. And I was once again talking with uh, uh, someone who's pretty high up at J and J. They've moved on, um, but I talked to them yesterday a little bit about what I was doing. And and one of the things they mentioned, uh, I won't name the person, right? But one of the things they mentioned is. You know, the, the companies that are winning right now that are acquiring this this meaningful technology, you know, one of the things that he's saying, and this isn't me, but that he was saying, and he kind of opened my eyes to it, is um, they're doing it how the the way that they're acquiring these companies is they're, they're acquiring them and then they're letting them stand alone on their own, right? They're funding them, they're defending them, but they're letting their that 
company that gets acquired, keep their core value system, keep their leadership team, um, keep all the, the culture within that and then let it ride. Um, and that's what, uh, at least what he was saying yesterday, and, and I'll have to take a look at this to, to confirm, but that's what he's saying is being successful versus large company acquiring a small company. And then we have to say, okay, guess what? Small company, here's your, here's your New Jersey. Here's your business card. Here's your culture. Here's your leadership team, you know, things like that. So that's something I think that as a startup, you would want to look at of how, if you're going to partner, if you're going to sell, are you going to keep that culture? Are you going to keep your core values? How long are you going to keep that leadership team in place? Are you going to run as like an uh, independent entity? Or are you basically now going to wear the jersey of whoever just bought you? Um, so that those are the two things that I think about ca- could cause friction. Great. Thank you. Those are all my questions. So um, I'd love to just kind of close the story up with, I, you already talked about a little bit about what Emerge Health Rhode Island will be able to help startups and companies with. So I just like to ask you, what's the best way to contact you um, if anyone listening is interested in speaking with you or working with you? <laughs> uh, there's a couple ways you can find me. Um, so we are headquartered out of the CIC. Uh, and when I say we, it's, it's, it's me. Um, but I do have access to a, a wide network of, of freelancers that have a lot of expertise in the, the marketing space. So um, we're actually doing that right now with, with uh, a startup where I'm pulling in some, uh, some freelance experts in the marketing space. But I'm based out of the, the CIC. Um, so that's one way you can find me. So uh, you can reach, reach me there. Um, the other way I would say, um, reach out to the NEMIC team, right? Because if, if you need me, you probably need them as well. So um, touch base with NEMIC. They'll actually help you understand the kind of broader needs. And then, then you can come to me and really focus in and dial in on honing that go-to-market strategy and commercial plan. Um, and then you can find me on LinkedIn. You can reach out to me there. Um, and then also, if you like to paddleboard, I'm on the Barrington River a couple <laughs> days a week out paddleboarding. So uh, if we want to have a meeting offsite, social distance on the paddleboards, um, I'm game for that too. Um, so you can kind of find me in a bunch of places. Yes, I love that. That's so funny. Well, thank you very much, Brian, for joining us. And as Brian said, if you'd want to connect with him and work with him and us, just reach out to us at the NEMIC website. And I just want to thank everyone for listening. Thank you, everybody. Hey, thank you, Danielle. Thank you, Tom. It's been a pleasure. Um, and I really appreciate you guys in, in embracing me and embracing my uh, <laughs> my style and my skill set. And i um, looking forward to really you know, engage with the startups and get ingrained within this ecosystem. Outstanding. Thanks, man.